0: good morning you're listening to the Yarrabug radio show a very uh special edition this morning uh minus Val uh so we uh won't be hearing Val's uh usual very awesome uh introduction to the show but we do have as our studio guest the uh much more glamorous and f- fabulous, <laughs> Charlie faron, good morning,
1: Charlie. Good morning, Fay and everybody. <laughs> what a wonderful introduction
0: <laughs> So much personality we couldn't fit Val in the studio with us <laughs> uh, kicking off the show this morning we, uh, we will be start talking later about the Faron collection and some developments for that, which are I think really exciting um. But we usually start with sharing our bicycle moments. Um, So I'm going to kick off with one from the weekend. Uh, We took some friends riding, and it's the first time I've done this. We caught the ferry to the Bellarine Peninsula from Docklands, which uh, you can catch over to Port Arlington. And from Port Arlington, there's a lovely little trail that goes all the way to St Leonard's where we discovered at the pub some of the best fish and chips uh, (laughs) we'd had in a while. So um, we left Melbourne on a very similar morning to this morning, grey, drizzly. The waves were very grey while we were on the ferry. The sky was very grey and as we approached, I think it's indented head, Suddenly the sky opened up, we had blue sky and the water took on that amazing uh, turquoise emerald green and there are black swans in the sea looking for maybe mussels, I wasn't sure if the swans like Port Arlington mussels as much as I do. But um, it's a very, uh, it was a a nice moment with the the green sea after such a great start and um, A very nice ride, I can highly recommend it. Bikes are free on the ferry to Bellarine, so uh, if you're thinking of doing that, um, I can highly recommend it. There's also a good uh, gelati shop at Port Arlington for when you get back to the ferry. Mm. Have you got a bike moment to
1: share with us this morning, Charlie? Well, that's prompted me to go and do that ferry ride because (laughs) I've been meaning to. But I must say that over uh, over this time of year... I feel superior on my bicycle and I have done particularly over the weekend because I live um, downtown Melbourne and it is jammed with traffic and I've had lots of errands to do and I have sailed past queues of cars <laughs> every day as I say feeling glorious and superior and um It's been wet at times and I can see the car drivers looking at me and thinking, oh, how awful to be on a bike. And I'm thinking how awful to be jammed in a car. It's never too wet, is it? (laughs) It's It's never too wet. And it's always better by bike, isn't it? Yeah. There's been a lot of
0: research into how bike riding you know it increases connectivity and and happiness but um, I haven't yet seen the scientific research into smugness <laughs> <laughs> but I think there's something there to be explored.
1: Yes. and I must say that the, the setup of my city bike means that I am upright and looking people in the eye and making eye contact and it's amazing how many Um, smiling responses you get if you're making eye contact on a bicycle and looking like you're enjoying yourself. Yeah. Whereas the setup of a road bike um, means that you inevitably have your head down and you're not so much in touch.
0: It's a much more focused position, which obviously road riding, if you're, you know, that demands. But yeah, I think in the city, people really respond to that, the, that wheeled
1: pedestrian that they can identify with. Which is why, everybody, you need a fleet of bikes <laughs> in <laughs> you your do. garage. The same as you have the shoes for every occasion, you do need bikes for every occasion.
0: I've, I've been telling everyone about this. I've been reading a lot of newspapers from the 1890s and there is a letter from a lady in 1895 where she queries she says, while at the upright, the ladies' bicycle that you can wear in your skirt, and I can see the attraction for the girls looking for a husband, and, and that's great for riding around the city, but it is becoming clearer to me that any lady who likes touring the countryside is going to need a second bike that can go a lot faster. <laughs> and I'm wondering, is this the first lady or person
1: in Melbourne who thought maybe they needed more than one bike? Oh, I think probably the minute the bicycle was was in the shops (laughs) and purchasable, (laughs) (laughs) that's what people would have been thinking. Thinking, yeah.
0: Okay. Well, um, we don't have much news this morning. Um, I thought Val might have some news for us, but uh, he he doesn't, which is uh, a shame he wasn't able to get into the studio. I did just want to mention that, The Hunt 1000 started on the weekend up in Canberra. The start was delayed by a day because of the snow in the Alps. So the Hunt 1000 is a dirt route from Canberra to Melbourne over the New South Wales and Victorian Alps. It's a really strenuous ride that... Some people at this time of year usually attempt to do in seven days. There's a a contingent who leave earlier aiming for 10 and then there's uh, over at other times of the year. People can do it at any time and take as long as they need. But uh, the 10-dayers who left last week were met with up to 40 or 50 centimetres of snow and blizzards. So there's been a few who have had to abandon being unprepared for that sort of weather or having mechanicals. There's some who've pressed through with some pretty amazing uh, video and photographs and stories of trudging through knee-high snow in sandals for two days and camping out or sleeping in the uh, emergency huts. Um, If you want to follow the progress of riders, you'll be able to follow their dots on Map My Progress um, and if you look at the live events, you'll see the Hunt One Thousand. We'll also put a link up to that. So um, hopefully everyone stays safe, and the weather changes. It's uh, there's a lot of river crossings, and they're all quite high mm. after that weather.
1: It sounds appalling. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's a very different type of riding And that's, yeah, there's, it's a broad church Isn't yeah. it? That's... We're
1: talking about very different types of riding I've been in Tasmania recently And spent a few days in a little town called Derby Which is in the northeast Which has, tra- it used to be a mining town Tin mining And 10, 15 years ago It looked positively derelict It was a dying town, if not dead um, However, In the intervening years, there have been mountain bike trails built out the back, really uh, graded trails, and the town has been reinvigorated. It's wonderful to see. The trails are fantastic. They're, as I say, graded, green, blue, black. Um, For me, green was challenging enough, but... um, there's people everywhere. There yep. are small businesses have sprung up renting bikes, uh, shuttling people to the top of the um, downhill runs. It's a wonderful success story. So if you're looking for something different, um, there's also lots of accommodation for singles, which is not, yep. not usual in Tassie. You know, it's, it's targeted to couples with deep pockets. But um Derby really is well worth visiting. It's one of the success stories, isn't it? It's, I've, Absolutely. I've seen it being um,
0: held up as an example of what you can do uh, by targeting riders and mountain bike riders, having those off-road trails.
1: So I know that um, in Victoria we've, we've got Listerfield and we've got Harcourt. Mm-hmm. Um, Harcourt certainly still needs to find itself, if you like. it It uh, is a little... Separate to the actual town of Harcourt and uh, doesn't feel as user friendly um, as Derby, but uh, I think it's still early days there.
0: Yeah, and the great thing about especially Harcourt and that is it's mainly accessible by trains, like with a bit of a ride. Yes, it's very easy to over. You're not relying, you don't have to rely on uh, car transport to get there. Mm. Mm. Absolutely. Okay, well, we'll go to a quick break. And after that, we'll be back talking to Charlie about the Farron Collection and some exciting news for bike lovers.
1: Eldorado, the story of Skouriez, is the story of a fight of a small community in northern Greece against a multinational-owned gold mine project that threatens their homes and lives. A grassroots movement is fighting against the destruction of the environment caused by the extraction methods and for democratic control over the most crucial basic resources: water, air, and land. It shows Greece in the era of social and economic crisis, where the rights of communities and the environment collide with big business and profit. Come along to this free screening on Thursday, the sixth of December, at the Greek Centre, 168 Lonsdale Street, City. To book your free ticket, search Try Booking. And Eldorado, or go to the Greek Resistance Bulletin Facebook page.
0: A 3CR supporter. Yank the, summer, I went swimming in the summer, Yay
1: for summer!
0: Summer brings swimming, summer brings picnics in the park, and summer brings the 3CR Summer Wine Fundraiser. Thanks to the support of Small Patch Wine Store in Hawthorne, we're selling 3CR Radical Radio labelled wines for only $15 a bottle. And they're even cheaper by the dozen or half dozen. Perfect as a gift or to fill a raised glass to toast 3CR at those summer festivities. Call the station between 9 to 5 on 9419 8377 to order or go to 3cr.org.au forward slash shop. Then you can drop into our Fitzroy Studios to collect before the 21st of December. Small Patch Wine Store is a 3CR supporter.
1: Hi, I'm Kim Salmon. I'd like to have a quick word about uh, public radio, particularly 3CR. The thing about public radio is that it's more open than the more formatted types of radio to what's going on around it. So when you listen to it, you're more likely to hear a reflection of real life. And 3CR being in the heart of Smith Street, Collingwood, is a particularly good example of what I'm talking about. If you'd like to uh, subscribe... The number is 94198377. You've been listening to the sound. You could never understand feel the fortune flowing. You know it isn't stuck.
0: And you're back listening to the Arabug radio show. As I mentioned earlier in the show, our studio guest this morning is Charlie Farron and she's here to tell us a bit, some exciting news about the Farron Collection. But I thought I'd start, Charlie, with, um, there might be one or two listeners who don't know the Farron Collection and what it is, so maybe we could start at the beginning. <laughs> um... And Because there's always so many fabulous stories associated yes, faith, I thought, with this collection. we got 10 minutes, though. <laughs> um, so, yeah, tell us about the Farron collection and uh, how that started.
1: Well, it started with an obsessive guy called Paul Farron, um, who's unfortunately no longer with us. But um, over the years, he, um, as I say, obsessively directed his attentions to collecting early, pre-1900 bikes. Now, there was a period between about 1860 and 1900 where all of the significant design developments took place, and I liken it to the era of computers that we've just lived through, the last 30 or 40 years where um, a computer would have taken up a whole room and now it sits comfortably in your pocket or on your wrist, for bicycles, the um, the first thing with two wheels was the early 1800s. But this didn't have pedals. It was called a hobby horse, a running machine. And you just sat on it and scooted along. But it had steering. And the essence of a bicycle is that you can steer. If you've ever caught your toe on the front wheel of a bike, you'll find yourself on the floor pretty quickly. <laughs> so that hobby horse, 1820 was the beginning. Um, Look, it was a bit of a slow start because just, you know, trying to be really quick about this, nothing happened till about 1860 and somebody put pedals on that, uh, on the front wheel of a hobby horse. Um, And from there, the developments were really quick. It took off. The front wheel enlarged Because there was no gearing, it was the original fixty, that front wheel enlarged so that people could go further and faster. One turn of the pedals, the circumference of the wheel, I want to go faster than you, I want a bigger wheel. And so the wheel enlarged and you had that penny farthing. But alongside all of this, the engineers of the time were looking at how do we make the bike more interesting, safer, more comfortable? And during that period, from the late 1860s through to about 1900, all the major changes happened with bicycles. Gearing, pneumatic tyres, frame design, so that we ended up with a diamond frame, which really hasn't changed very much. And these things intrigued Paul. He he loved them he felt that they were almost objects of art but they showed design development of the bicycle after 1900 it all becomes pretty boring and I'm sorry all you collectors (laughs) of classic bikes but um, (laughs) frankly you know it all happened before 1900 Um, and so we amassed a stunning collection. I mean, it is a world-class collection. It's a world-renowned
0: collection. collection, isn't it? I've seen it mentioned as one of the top five or three in the world.
1: And one of the reasons um, was that in, although many of the bikes were made overseas originally in the north of England or in America, in the 18, late 1800s, Victoria was rich. We were so rich we had gold. And we had lots of people who were early adopters, I think you'd call them now, yeah. who wanted the latest greatest and were very happy to spend money and import and buy.
0: And because uh, it was a rich man's toy back then, it was it was certainly not something everyone
1: could have. Absolutely. And um, so to see some of these bikes, you will just be astonished. Um, but you can see the way that the the brain of the engineers were how they were thinking how they were trying to put springing into the frame because the tires were still solid and really uncomfortable and um, so this was Paul's love I always said we didn't have kids we had bikes (laughs) (laughs) and I think that's very true Um, and in over the years we've always been happy to share these bikes we we do loan them judiciously to people for parades um and displays but one of the major things that has happened in recent years is a motor museum in Shepperton on the outskirts of Shepperton and they it's a privately owned museum and we we had just a few bikes up there to begin with sort of in a corner a bit dowdy and covered in dust because nobody was looking after them terribly well, or at least we weren't. Um,
0: Because how many bikes are in the collection in total? The collection
1: in total is about 200. Yeah. Um, And when you say bikes, you have to think large wheel tricycles. um, Sociables. Sociables where almost the size of a car where the couple sit sit side by side. And we've got one of those in the collection. Mm. It was sent out here as a... Wedding present. The doting aunt in England sent it to her nephew as a wedding present. I mean, can you imagine it would have been the most extravagant present? Yes. Um, Paul bought it from an auction in Warnable and it had severe dents on the frame. So I don't know what those two were <laughs> up to, but <laughs> they, they made a bit of a mess of the bike. Um, but the museum in Shepperton. Has existed for a number of years, predominantly originally as a car motor museum, mm-hmm. and all the exhibits are privately owned. They're rotated, and um, just recently, there um, we have put a larger number of the Farron collection up there. So there's about forty bikes from the Farron collection there. They're really well displayed. They're up on a mezzanine. You all have to go and see them, of course. And um, Well,
0: this is why it's so exciting because the Farron collection is not something that you can just walk into. It's not a public museum. Um, We've seen them now and then in tweed rides or at different events. But this is seven days a week. You can visit and see quite a large portion of the collection. And does it represent the the whole is
1: it representative of the whole collection like yes it has some of the best bikes it does actually have that big sociable up there oh wow um and it does it has a good cross-section of the bikes in the collection and some of the best bikes in the collection um the plans for the museum are very exciting at the moment because it um shepparton is a big trucking area and i hadn't quite appreciated that there are dynasties, trucking family dynasties up there. And the intention is to expand the museum. It will have a name change. It's going to be called MOVE, the Museum of Vehicle Evolution. The um, floor space is going to be expanded dramatically. It will bring in a lot of these local families. Um, As a legacy to their contribution to transport. There are a couple of other things that um, fascinate me when I go up there and I I love walking around. I don't think much of cars, you know, they all look the same to me, except that they've got such a weird and wonderful variety in the the museum. It is fascinating. But they also have the Furphy collection. Now, Furphy is is an Australianism that uh, is not known anywhere else. And um, the company comes from Shepparton and it's still operating. And those original water carriers, those big uh-huh, metal yeah. water carriers with the ornate ends, um, a lot of those are displayed in a separate area. Um, so that Furphy collection, I think, is also fascinating.
0: Yeah.
1: But the opportunity, of course, exists when the museum expands to put a few more of the Farron Collection bikes, mm-hmm. and I'm told that people really love it. They went there to see the cars, and they they were intrigued and fascinated by the bikes, which yeah. is what happens, because the bikes embed very much of a social history. And Faith, I know that you're looking at early women cyclists in uh, Victoria. And those early cyclists, particularly the women, we were absolutely instrumental in changing some of our habits and for women, changing our dress code. We owe a great um, vote of thanks to those early women because all three of us in the studio yes. here are wearing trousers. Yeah. And we can wear whatever we like. We can wear miniskirts, long skirts, trousers, you, you name it, we can wear it. Men are still constrained in Western society to a dress code that really hasn't changed very much. Yeah. But we we've been given permission by those early pioneering women and they were pilloried for it. Yeah. They were ostracized and pilloried and uh, even the doctors used to used to look at them and say you will ruin your breeding career <laughs> and <laughs> you know and saddles were made um especially for women with, with that were short and had um they were anatomic saddles. Yeah and uh because they were it was said that the, the um the male saddle might be just too excitable for women
0: <laughs> well it's it's also where that uh comparison to computers also fits because the like the iPhone and that has changed our behavior bicycles actually changed our behavior mm. um and and especially for women so if uh, people want to go up and check out these bicycles they're uh, up at the Shepherd and motor museum it 's a very fitting place for them because bicycles we think now of bicycles and cars people always talk about them as these the enemies of each other and these two separate things but it is part of a continuum. Bicycles started it all, and motor cars were able to develop because of the engineering with bicycles um and that is also part of the the story of our roads. Mm. It was the bicycles who got our roads improved and uh, made them suitable for cars. So there's a real continuum there. Um, there's an event coming up this weekend in Geelong where we will also be able to see a lot of uh, lovely old bicycles. Can you tell us a bit about that?
1: Yes, it's um, the Victorian Penny Farthing Championships and Classic Bike Show. Um 1st and 2nd of December, on the Saturday there is a, a ride and it's called the Paul Farron Memorial Ride, that's Saturday afternoon. Um, we've got a dinner in the evening and I know that's, that's been really popular and I it's, think it's, booked booked out. Out. Yes. it's booked out. It's booked out. And on Sunday there will be racing and the Geelong Cycling Club has um, joined with the vintage cycling club and the penny farthing um group a lot of work from some of the locals so they'll be racing during the day they'll be judging of beautiful bikes and you should come everybody and have (laughs) a look and cheer us on i think it will be fascinating
0: there's there's a whole day of awesome events there's a swap meet oh yes starting in the morning so you could start yourself down this road of um bicycle collecting if uh there's a show and shine. So if you and a lot of amazing categories there that go well beyond the nineteen hundreds. So bring your bike down all polished up. I like the Paul Farron Memorial Trophy. This is to be presented to the owner of the most Farronist bicycle <laughs> or tricycle on the day. So um there'll be a bit of research, I think, for people to work out what that might be. Some yes. will already know. Yes. There's decorated bicycles and tricycles for the kids, so bring the kids along with their decorated bikes. Kids races, a grand parade, and then all the penny-farthing racing, which has a lot of categories. And that'll all be down at the Geelong West Oval and Velodrome um, on Saturday the 1st, and then Sunday the 2nd is the the big day. Start kicking off from 9 a.m., Well, thank you very much for coming into the studio and telling us about the collection, Charlie. I'm very excited that a portion of it is now available seven days a week for people to explore and get to know. Yes, and and in
1: in Melbourne by appointment. The ballot, you know, I'm very happy to show people the the collection down here. Yeah, it's not displayed um, in museum. Yeah, like situation but it is displayed and uh, so for groups that want to see it they need to just contact me and make an appointment and well
0: worth the effort so if anyone does want your details to arrange um, a viewing then they could get in touch with us here at the station and we can pass those on um also coming up I'll just mention quickly this weekend in Maribyrnong City of Maribyrnong are working on their next bicycle strategy so they're having a drop-in session on Saturday from 10am to 1pm at the Footscray Community Arts Centre so if you live, work or play in Maribyrnong and have some feedback to give them on cycling in the city and what you'd like to see then you should definitely drop into that and coming up on Thursday the 6th of December is another of the City of Moreland's Fabulous more art bike rides with Projector Bike. So this is the annual art installation along the Upfield line, and Projector Bike run an amazing ride with uh, visiting all the artworks and uh, involving the artists, and pro- it creates a really wonderful evening and it includes um, projections and more active art shows along the way so i can highly recommend getting along to that it's free from seven thirty till 10 on thursday the 6th of december and we'll post the link up with the podcast too and that's all we have time for today 3CR relies on the support of its listeners to stay on the air. So if you would like to subscribe or make a donation, you can do that by calling 94798377 or going to the website at 3cr.org.au. Coming up next is Jailbreak. You're listening to 3CR Radio.